Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers from Faster Skier, coming to you from Canmore, Alberta, where all or most of the world's very best skiers have all descended in advance of the first World Cup races in North America in half a decade. We've got some uh, kind of preview content coming to you today uh, featuring an interview with American Sprint star J.C. Schoonmaker. We uh, had a good time talking with J.C. about getting into the sport and starting to train seriously in Alaska and his success in the past couple of years. We'll have more stuff coming to you from Canada and then from Minneapolis next week. Stay with us. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is sponsored by Solomon. The best way to create a better tomorrow is to be enthusiastic about what's coming next and prepare for what's yet to be done. Solomon has committed to a responsible tomorrow by refocusing the entire company and its operations to create responsible products with a smaller footprint on the environment. Solomon's goal is to drive change within our communities by creating more inclusive outdoor experiences. At the same time, they are committed to conducting their business responsibly while delivering high-performing products with the most innovative designs. Together, we must unleash the best version of ourselves and collectively become agents of change. Solomon, tomorrow is yours. Check out Solomon's full line of skis, boots, clothing, and accessories at Solomon.com. All right. Hey. Yo, JC. How's it going? Good, thanks. Welcome to Canada. Yeah, thanks. Do I just not exist? <laughs> you should. It's nice to see you too, Nat. Always nice to see you. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's okay. What, so did you pick up a Calgary Flames jersey? No, this is Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, Dude. okay. Yeah. Oh that's, my God. We better, we better, what? You're American. Gonna We're going to have to cut this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, LeBron James, have you heard of him? Kevin Love back in the day? Jesus. Yeah. Oh, Josie, how much I know. Brutal. But, but you know what? I think we're going to have to leave this in and start there. I would like to know why JC is wearing a Cleveland Cavaliers t-shirt when he grew up in Tahoe. Yeah, my uh, my dad's from Cleveland and uh, my grandparents still live right outside there. So we'd always yeah. go uh, visit them. And uh, I just grew up like a Cleveland sports fan, like go Browns and, and Cavs and stuff. So, uh, yeah. Well, well you, lived through, you lived through some golden years with, with LeBron. Oh, yeah. And I mean, the Browns, buddy. I mean, that's... It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. That's but a, I mean, we got, we got, we had LeBron and it was a couple of tough years wow. living in Northern California when they were playing the Golden State Warriors, like five years in a row in the finals or whatever. But, uh, we got one, we got on one of the, one of those years. So that was good. Yeah. No, exactly. I like, I like that. Um, who's the LeBron James of cross country ski racing? Um, I guess the easy answer would be Clavo. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm Clevo's too young to be LeBron. LeBron's like old. You gotta go, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of have like an, but with Holland, I think like Holland could have been like a LeBron. Martin mm -hmm. Jorgen. Yeah. yeah but I they guess if I would say anyone too, like if you're talking about just current skiers, maybe yeah. I would say Goldberg because he can kind of yeah, do it all. all. 
He's an older yeah, guy. Yeah, Paul could be. Yeah, Paul, and he just won the overall World Cup last year. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Birgen is obviously my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we should stipulate. Uh, I'm here in Canmore. JC's here in Canmore. Devin is in Norway. Through the miracle of 21st century technology, we're sort of effectively all in the same room. But you can kind of. Uh, Cut us a little slack on the production if you know you're getting some weird awkward silences and pauses because there's just you know a bit of a lag but um if you're not used to that by now if you're not used to buy if you're not used to shitty production quality by now you got to find another podcast that's what i'm saying yeah go listen to this american life um exactly do you want to introduce our guest or should i do that i think you should do it you're sitting right there with them so it's a lot more awkward when you do it face to face yeah, I think that's good. Um, we're kind of more like hip to hip or knee to knee, actually. Um, also, I was interviewing, I just would comment, I mean, JC, you're a pretty big guy. I was interviewing uh, Edvin Onger today. Oh, yeah. Edvin Onger, really big guy. Just, uh, I was like, wow, okay. I, I have more reasons to not be able to keep up with him. But we've got uh, JC Schoonmaker here, and that is Schoonmaker with a hard C. Is, yeah. that, a, is that a Dutch or German? Dutch. Dutch. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I got it. Yeah. Um, and I think I first met JC, uh, I don't think JC would remember this, but he joined uh, some pickup hockey with us like I remember a couple that. of years ago during yep. COVID. Um, I would say I've improved since then, still not very good. I, As I recall, I don't think you were wearing a helmet or any protective equipment, which... Uh, We'll have to talk to Grover and Wickham about that, some of the coaches, but... Hopefully um, my mom doesn't listen to this. Yeah, exactly. Does your mom listen to it? I don't know. I, I hope not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but since then, he's gone on to bigger and better things than uh, pick up hockey with the UAA crew on the park strip. Uh, JC has uh, most recently won a... Well, uh, been on the podium at a World Cup, which is the thing that not many... Americans have done so and you're at the like ripe age of are you 23 yeah 23 um JC's from Tahoe and skied at University of Alaska Anchorage and is now skiing with Alaska Pacific University uh and what aspects of your well I mean you've been skiing on the World Cup for a while really have been kind of knocking on the door uh I think at least a few national junior championships your name um what what else have you done um I, I actually know zero uh, junior national championships. My name, oh, wow. which is Did an interesting was fact. That disqualification. Yeah, there was one disqualification. Is that a good story? Can you tell us that story? Yeah, that was a pretty good story. Hopefully, yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was my last JNs in Anchorage. It was like my first year skiing up at UAA, so it was kind of like home JNs a little bit up in Anchorage, and uh, it was like U twenty year. So a lot of the older skiers came back, and it wasn't like the strongest field, but me and Gus were there, and it was that classic sprint and uh we were kind of going at it all day um i think we were like each won like all our heats and then we met each other in the final and then uh the last hundred meters it, it, was, it was the schoonmaker versus schumacher yeah exactly okay. yeah and it, it was uh gus was like in, he was insane back then like he was winning all those races yeah. at jns um and in the like final hundred meters i took an extra skate push on the uh outside the turning technique zone so i got dq'd so that was a bit of a bummer but and, uh, and you won the race otherwise though. yeah yeah but yeah was it a legit dq i don't know i'm not sure yeah we'll see or i mean we won't see but yeah hey okay. well that's some adversity it was tough. yeah it was tough it was definitely a bummer but i don't know 
it happens. <laughs> yeah. If you're not trying, if you're not trying, you're dying. That's the thing. So yeah, you gotta, exactly. sometimes you got to push yeah. the limits to know where that limit is. Yeah. I've been we'll have to bring- a classic sprint too. So I, I feel, yeah, for skating. Uh, yeah. We'll have to bring the jury on uh, in the next episode and really give them, give them the love for us. <laughs> yeah. This was really merited. Maybe there's some tape actually. Yeah. Um, mm. Uh, so maybe do you want to, I, I was kind of curious. I mean, it, um, we're, this is unusual. We are, we're all here. Devin is actually the odd guy out. Like usually, um, Europe, Scandinavia is the center of cross country elite skiing. And now, um, no one cares about Europe, Devin. We're, we're all like the center of cross country ski world right now is Canmore and, um, looked like you had, uh, some nice times back home, mm-hmm. uh, before you came up here. Well, were you what were you up to yeah it was a kind of a hectic week back home uh, i was back in Tahoe, california with my parents um we had a little bit of weird weather so got some skiing in um and like got a couple storms in the first few days it was pretty dry and not super good then we got a storm and uh got one super solid day of skiing where it was just like classic talk conditions where it just like it just dumped there was like powder on the side of the trails and just like perfect perfect skiing so pretty fun but yeah other than that not too much skied with some of my older teams like some of the juniors there and stuff and i gave one talk to a bunch of like the top community so it was good to be home and yeah but i'm excited to be back here it's pretty sweet in canmore so was it was it pretty sweet to just like get on an airplane in presumably the morning and then get to the world cup on the same day yeah definitely that's sweet i mean so nice to just show up like yeah not like 10 days in advance you know usually we go to Ruka 10 days before the race there, but we're racing in like three days and just kind of, you don't really start feeling like the race is happening or start feeling those like nerves and stuff till you get there. So super nice. Um, and I'm, I'm super jealous just so the record can show. I lived in Canmore for 16 years and I will unabashedly say, I mean, your Tahoe is beautiful too. And, and Alaska is a gorgeous place. Norway has some charms to it, but Canmore, Alberta, Canada is yeah. I mean, if it's not the most beautiful place to cross country ski in the world, then man, it's up there. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of beautiful places, but it's a, uh, it's a great little town. And I mean, it's changed a lot in the last little bit, but the race courses I think are, yeah, some of the best and most honest race courses out there. So it'll be really exciting to, to see you guys do battle on the, on those classic world cup courses. Just kind of curious. I mean, you've probably raced in Camor before, obviously, or been up to Camor before I'm assuming you've never been to Camor, Alberta. Never. This is my never. first time. First, first time here today. Yeah. Oh my God. Seriously. Well, you are only 23, but I would have thought as a junior or something, you made your way up here, but no. Okay. Well then uh, here, that's, that's great. Then um, my question was going to be, then this is, I'll just change it a tiny little bit. Like what are your first, what are your first thoughts on the, on the Camor courses and, what do you like about it? I feel like yeah. the sprint course especially is, is one that could suit not just yourself, but, but the American mm-hmm. sprint men. Absolutely. And I just wanted to hear your yeah. perspective on, on what you thought. What are your first thoughts on, on the Camar yeah. race courses? First thoughts, the sprint course is spicy. I like that one a lot. I think it's going to be fast. Um, that finish is pretty insane. Like, I don't know how long that is like 800 meters. You just rip through there in like 20 seconds or something like that. That's like, uh, that was a, that's a, a good finish. And I think that'll be fun. I mean, today is a little interest in checking out like the draft and stuff out there. I mean, we weren't really skiing super hard, but when I was like getting a little bit of draft behind people, you just slingshot. It's like so hard. So I don't know. That'll be interesting. What, can you describe that last 800 meters? 
Yeah. So I, you come over the last little hill and then it's kind of just a gradual downhill flat section, but then you just take a hard right hander under this bridge. And that's a pretty like spicy corner. Iconic crash spot. Yeah. For sure. I'm sure yeah. Devin's dumped it many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, before, before you keep going, I will want to call out Dr. Sean Crooks, who is an ex-teammate of mine and now an emergency room doctor in Foothills. So guys, don't get injured while you're in Alberta because you don't want to see Dr. Crooks pick you up. Uh, that aside, he took me out something fierce before in the world, the pre-Olympic World Cups in Camor, right under that corner. So heads up, play heads up hockey down through that corner. can get icy yeah. on the inside and find a good sure. line and and yeah so so you're right to say it's spicy because you guys are you guys are going to be coming into that corner like mock Schnell for yeah. sure yeah it's going to be yeah i don't think there'll be too much separation there either because like the first part of the course is hard with some long climbs but just not that long and i mean all the sprinters these days are super strong so like i don't think people are going to be getting dropped so it's going to be that's going to be interesting and then the last bit is just like basically a just drag downhill into the into the finish line like we were almost tucking like we were tucking pretty much near to the finish line today so it'll be yeah it's going to be super interesting i know for sure it is it is an interesting spring course and i think i think what's fun you know i mean that's what's fun about the world cup is that you do get a mix of of courses and i i kind of like that now i feel like before your time maybe kind of later a little later in my career like kind of yeah, middle to late in my career, a lot of the sprint courses, especially for the men, moved like quite long. So mm -hmm. you have pretty much every sprint you did was three minutes to three and a half minutes long, and all kind of similar type style, except for Drummond, of course, which was which was fast in like two forty. And I think that the World Cup has made a yeah, it's been a good change that there's there's good variety in on um, on the sprint side of things on the world cup with the with the courses and and like times for example like ruka for example is always short and then you have some longer ruka and davos are always short and then you have just some like longer i mean the trondheim course for example or like other ones that are take a little bit more oomph and then camor again it's going to be another it's going to be another short one is there is there any courses that you like better as a sprinter or like you're not purely a sprinter of course but um showing some prowess and sprinting earlier in your career here like is is there a course that suits you better or do you like the longer kind of tighter more rock'em sock'em type courses or do you like the the long drags where you have a little more time and a little more space and and, and why why do you pick one over yeah. the other or are you good for all of them? yeah yeah that's a good question i feel like i mean there's not too many i don't like honestly like i i kind of like all of them uh Ruka, I honestly really like just because that one's, I feel like it's a simple course. So I really like starting the year out there because it's super short and quick and it's pretty much, it just comes down to who can run that last hill the fastest pretty much, which I think is fun. It's just like a cool way to start the season. Like it's a really honest and fair course. Um, so like the ones that are, I mean, Dresden, like that one was always, that one's tough and like a little bit, I think not really boring, but it's just like, it's all about the start. And I didn't really enjoy that aspect that much, especially because I maybe didn't have the best starts when I was there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the one other one that actually stands out to me was last weekend in Gomes or the last World Cup weekend we had, because that was a super fun course. And like we got there and originally we thought that that was going to be a really tough one because it had such a big hill out of the start. And I think every like all the sprinters were like, oh, I hope they shorten it like this course sucks. But then it ended up being super fast and like the downhills and the corners were just super fun and they skied well, but we're also still like kind of sketchy and 
and fast and gnarly. So that was a really fun course. And I actually really enjoyed that one. So I hope we get to go back there. I, th- I agree. I think it is really cool that FIS has been, been sprinkling some, some newer venues that have, I mean, the atmosphere in Gomes look just electric. Mm-hmm. And I hope in Minneapolis, I'm not worried whatsoever that the atmosphere will be pretty baller. And then Camor, you know, like Camor, I mean, I'm going to get some hate mail for this. Cause like it's, was my essentially not hometown, but I mean, 16 years, like spent half my life there. And, but you know, like back in the days when we first had world cups in Camor, I mean, oh, I'm going to get so much hate mail for this, but like Camor was a place almost like Lillehammer where you had like people love skiing in Camor. And mm-hmm. if it was a nice sunny day and not that cold, I think more people kind of went out in order to skiing themselves at other venues instead of coming to the stadium and watching live. And that changed a little bit with, um, you know, like Chandra won her, Chandra Crawford won her first World Cup in Camor. Uh, mm-hmm. So like in the glory days, the after they've had a few events in Camor, the, the, the fans got more and more and then they kind of packed that stadium, even though it is big, like you said, that long drag into the finish. Uh, I think that I think the atmosphere can be can be quite good and and maybe I think it's nice to see that too. I think it, that's what I'm trying to say is like of course legacy venues like Falun, uh, Lati, Ruka, um, Oslo, that those kind of things like they, they have to be on the calendar or else we're going to lose the history of our sport. But but to sprinkle in the right venues like Lacluza, Gomes looked awesome, like I said, and then of course it's the World Cup, it's not the European Cup, so it's really really nice to see the races come back, come back to Canada. I, I'm going to change gears just quick here, Nat, and ask, and ask one quick question, like to JC, like, I'm so curious how a guy that was living in Tahoe, like in, in Cali, mm-hmm. racing in Cali, Nordic racing, which has amazing trails. I want to get, ask you some questions about like Royal Gorge and stuff. Cause like the cross country skiing for people that are listening that have never cross country skied in Northern California, get your ass there. It's amazing. It's insane. Uh, Donner Summons. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really, really nice. But All right, how yeah. did you end up picking Alaska? Like, how did you end up yeah. picking UAA as like the next step in your career or even just from an educational standpoint, because a change in the way cross country skiing is happening in the, in the U S and in Canada is that the NCAA circuit has turned out to be like quite a good development tool for men and women in the last, let's say like seven, eight years. Whereas when mm-hmm. I was growing up, the NCAA was where careers went to die. I mean, you, you, no man goes to the world cup that wants to do jack shit. Uh, no, no, no man goes to the NCAA if they want to go to the world cup and do anything. And mm-hmm. you were a talent as a junior, as we just said, like you, you pseudo one JNs uh, as a junior, but you're already in Alaska at that point. But what, what, how did you come to make that decision? And like, what turned it for you when there's other programs? Like, yeah, maybe like Utah yeah, might well, make more sense for California type thing. Like what, what was it about Alaska and what was it about UAA and, and how was your time there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was kind of a long process. I, I toured a lot of different schools and uh, especially I did some on the East Coast and some of the Western like Rimsa schools. And my my top choice, like kind of the entire time with UVM, like I really wanted to go to UVM, um, especially when I found out like I was kind of in talks with Ben because we were both seniors at the same time. I was going to say, imagine how good you guys would both be if you went to college. Yeah, I was super psyched. Like I heard that he was going there and I was like all in on UVM. And I think I kind of put all my eggs in that basket and then I didn't get a spot. And uh, so what was left for me pretty much was UAA and UNH. And Wait, UA- did you not get, you didn't get a spot on the team? Yeah, I didn't get a spot at UVM. 
Mm-hmm. Weaver. Yeah. Was Matt Weaver. I would yeah. ask Weaver what the hell he was doing. Anyway, was he on the jury when you got disqualified yeah. from? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but like, honestly, I, coming out of high school, I wasn't like super fast. Like I hadn't, I still had not gone, gone to a junior world's. I went to like the U18 like Scando Cup my senior year of high school, but like, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, especially in a class where I was in the same grade as Gus, Luke, Ben, and like Johnny and Zanon were right below me. They were super fast. Hunter was a year above me. Like not a lot of like, I wasn't super fast and I never really raced well at senior nationals when I was younger. So yeah, then UAA was just like one of the options because I had a friend from Tahoe went there, Brandon Narasky, shout out to him. Um, he had actually gone to UVM, tried to get a spot there on the team as like a kind of a walk-on and it didn't work out. So he ended up going to UAA and uh, he was like pretty much the one that told me, he's like, yo, Alaska's sick. Like we have awesome mountains, great training, skiing and everything like that. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. And uh, it was kind of my, yeah, that was like one of two places I could choose from. And it ended up working out so well. Like so glad that I went there. Um, it's like Anchorage is a sick place and just awesome training. And I got really fortunate too, with just having a, a sweet team around me. Like the entire time I was there, we had a bunch of Norwegians, um, on the team who were like all a couple of years older than me that I got to learn from and like train with. And first couple of years there, I was getting my butt kicked, but I think that was like a big part of why I started just getting faster and like was able to develop there. So I'm really glad it worked out. Were those and how was, how was the, sorry, how was the change, like, going from your club program to, like, I'm assuming it was Tron was the head coach when you were there, was he? Or was he back in Norway at that time and then came back for the last years of your career? Uh, was, college career? Yeah, my first year was Andrew Kastning, and Tron came my second year. He was still in Norway okay. when I was a freshman. So okay. it was still a big change, like, with Andrew there. I mean, just we were just doing, like, normal training, like what I would do now, uh, like, intervals every week. And I think like coming from my ski club when I was in high school, it just wasn't like, I didn't really train much in the summer. Like growing up, I was uh, working in a barbecue restaurant and like hanging out with my friends. Like I wasn't really doing a whole lot of roller skiing and stuff. And like in the winter, it, I don't know. I mean, part of it is like skiing at 7,000 feet every single day. It's kind of tough to get like solid, like intervals in every week. It just takes a while to recover from those. So that also makes it tough. And, um, and yeah, we're just like far west. I don't know. We were just weren't maybe as far along as like some of these other regions. So when I got up there, it was like definitely a shock to, all right, we're doing like two intervals every week, sometimes three, like we're training big hours, training in the afternoons. And uh, yeah, first few weeks there was definitely like, I remember the fir very first interval session, I was just so far off the back. Like I was just like, I was dogging it. It was, it was pretty tough, but, uh, it ended up working out. What, what was the interval session? The very first one I remember was we went to tree neighborhood, which okay. is kind of this, uh, probably like a six minute L4 loop. We did some skate up, L4. On, the, up on the Anchorage Hill. Side. Yeah. We did some skate L4 intervals with like, it was kind of supposed to be, I think more threshold actually with some L4 surges in it. And I remember like I led the very first one. Cause I was like, Oh, gung ho to get it going. And I just like, made it through like 30 seconds and then Seager Droning, who's Eldar Roning's cousin. And he was a incoming freshman with me. He just blew by me. He was like, what the hell is this guy doing? Like he's taking us out super slow on our first interval. And then I was just like off the back for the rest of the session. <laughs> Amazing. But I, I, then this is actually like, so was it a slow burn? I mean, if you, if you say like yourself proclaimed that, I mean, you did like the, the names you mentioned are the up and coming rising stars of American skiing have been like that 
for quite a while on the male side. And I mean, you are now the leader of like that group, that cohort you mentioned with like Luke and, and uh, Gus and Benny and the whole, well, uh, Benny's a beast too. Uh, Gus is a beast too. You guys are all beasts now. That's what's so fun to cheer you guys all on. But um, was it a slow burn? Like did, did that fire, did, did that, did that like fire where you're like, Oh my God, I got to train a little harder. But, and then that interval session, like you said, you're getting the, like the floor wipe with you. Did it light that fire in you going like, Oh my God, I got to step up and what the hell was I doing? Or was there like, it's an amazing progression. I think it's also important for people to listen. Like I came from running, like I I wouldn't roller ski that. I mean, this is a thousand years ago. So no one can train like I trained like back when, like back then, but like, but regardless, like I wasn't doing a whole lot of roller skiing when I was growing up either. Uh, compared to like what people do now, that's for sure. And and people would ask me like, why are you running so much? Blah blah blah, and and doing kind of a two sport thing. But um, you know, like you said, like kicking it in the summers of California, working at a barbecue restaurant, hanging with the bros, and then all of a sudden you get to this college program, you get slapped with a frying pan in the face like right from day one, and then fast forward not that many years. I mean, like you're 23 years old and you have a World Cup podium, so. Like, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was what happened a, with your mindset. What happened with your mindset? Yeah, my mindset. I mean, the whole time I wanted to be a skier, like I was all in on skiing the entire time. I think just when I was in high school and stuff back home, like I didn't know that you had to train that much. Like I just I had to learn how to like train and how to be a skier and like learn like, OK, damn, these Norwegian guys that are like kicking my butt and training every day. It's because they were training the entire summer while I was just like messing around, like hanging on the beach and stuff. So like the entire time I was like motivated, but definitely it started to pick up. And like, I mean, throughout that fall, it, it already was like getting better and better. Like the first, first few weeks were definitely tough, but I started slowly like keeping up. And, um, I mean, then the next year was like for sure where I made my biggest step because I trained that full summer, had like a solid training group back home and uh finally started just getting the ropes of it and that was where i like qualified for my first world cup that year um at houghton u.s nationals and then went to dresden and scored world cup points so it was kind of like it was a two-year thing where i just like got up to uaa just was like holy cow all right this is how you do cross-country skiing like you got to train a lot and then just started doing it and uh it worked out but i think a lot of it was yeah just like learning like okay you know i i I knew about heart rate zones and stuff, but I didn't even know like that. All right. You, you're supposed to do this much threshold and like a little bit of L4 in the fall to top it off. Like I was just kind of clueless going in a little bit. How much, how much were you actually training for sprinting when you were in college? Cause those races mm. aren't really on the NCAA circuit very much. Are they? No, not really. We had one sprint my freshman year and that was by far my best college race that year. Um, at like that point, I didn't even really know. I was like, kind of better at sprinting like through high school and stuff i was still solid in distance races and did decent in those jns but uh we just did normal training i mean it's it wasn't tiered towards sprinting at all but it was also wasn't like we were just straight doing uh like distance specialists like we were still doing lots of speeds and all that stuff yeah so it was pretty normal training Hmm. Mm -hmm. do you i mean do you feel like that's uh, if you I mean, do you feel like there's actually still a lot of room sort of for more work on the sprint specific stuff, given that you maybe weren't doing as much of that in college? Um, I don't know. I've, I think for me, there's more like I want to work more on my distance scheme at this yeah. point. Like at this point in my career, 
I feel like I really want to be racing all the races that I can. And so like, I feel like there's a lot more room for me to improve on my like fit, like on my capacity, like aerobic capacity side. And I feel like the sprinting, I mean, you can train that, but I also think part of it just kind of comes a little bit naturally. Like my body's just, it's kind of geared towards a little bit of like the higher speed stuff. And I think I have figured out that I can pretty much like, I can kind of prime that part of myself up with just like a little bit of training. Like it doesn't take a whole lot of like speeds and stuff for me to find some of my top gears. So like, I almost want to start gearing my training more towards like just doing tons of threshold and in easy distance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, and it sounds like uh, you sort of made, I, I don't exactly totally understand sort of your affiliations kind of up to this year, but it seems like this year you made a little more of a commitment to Alaska Pacific university. Can you talk about that process? Yeah, definitely. That was like this, the last couple of years I've been working with Will Sweetser at Sugar Bowl Academy and back, back, home. back home. Yeah. And so he's been my coach in the summers while I was up at UAA which was also a big part of like, when I got to UAA, started realizing what was going on. I was like committed to train with him in the summer and like just learned tons from him. And he was a big part of that. And so it just wasn't being at home, wasn't really working out super well for me. Like I just, I was really liking being in Alaska. And so working, being in Alaska and working with him was like kind of tough, especially when we just saw each other during the summers. So this year I was, or uh, after last winter, I was like kind of decided I needed to, really commit to something like either go home and work with him or join APU. I was also looking at BSF and like moving to Bozeman, mm -hmm. but I just loved anchored so much. So I was like, decided to stick around and APU is like the best option there. So, um, it works out really well. And we have a great team with like Luke Zand and Gus joined this year. So definitely I, I made the right decision. Um, and yeah, it works out really well. Flora's a great coach. So yeah. If you, you feel like you've, you're, training sort of have changed or advanced in this past year since then there's been some changes um i don't know if it's like advanced really like it's just small changes like we do every week with apu we do an l5 session um we love this hill called bunker hill and we do like basically 10 by 45 seconds l5 um and that's like our monday routine so like that's the biggest change and i think that's been cool because that is like that is like a little bit of gearing towards sprint racing a bit. Um, so I think that's been super helpful this year. Um, but besides that, it's like pretty much normal training, just basically getting to do it with a bunch of other really fast dudes, like every single day. That's, uh, that's the thing that helps the most, I think. And you guys um, probably have a good, I mean, it seems like my perspective when I'm around the world cup a little bit and seeing you guys from afar and then just hearing from other people, like, seems like you guys definitely have a strong team spirit in the U S team too, and the APU guys and mm -hmm. support each other. And like, that's, you know, it sounds kind of fluffy sometimes. And I know, I, you know, when I was younger and people would talk about like team vibes and stuff I'm like, Oh my God, like, can we stop holding hands and playing Kumbaya? Like <laughs> everyone wants to do well, but, but there is there, that's really where the magic happens because the fact of the matter is like when you're training as a professional, as you know, like, you can't be at your top of your game every single day. And like some days you come out to sessions where you're, yeah, maybe a little, yeah, just you're, you're off your, your best. And if you were alone, it'd be so easy to kind of lie to yourself and say like, well, not that bad. Like this was actually not that bad a sesh. But then if you have like Gus and Luke and, and those boys around you and they're at their best and you're kind of 
seven out of 10, you, you realize that pretty quick and it can really pull your level up. So I'm sure you're, or I guess my question is like, have you noticed a shift in that? Have you noticed a shift in that? I mean, like you had good teammates at UAA too, but now you're training with your American peers too. And has mm-hmm. that been a difference at all? Or I don't know. Not a big difference, to... honestly. It's, no? it's still a lot of, a lot of it is honestly still me getting my butt kicked a little bit. Cause yeah. I think like, I just have a lower threshold than a lot of these guys. And so like a big part of that was like at UAA, just learning that I also had to go my own pace. Like, even though I had fast teammates there, I had to really like trust my own pacing and like trust that I could kind of figure it out for myself. Not that I always had to like hang on and like fight through every interval. So a little bit, I mean, it's kind of just like refreshing that for me a little bit, because like when Gus hops in on threshold sessions, like some of the other guys can go with him. And then I, I'm like, kind of on my own a little bit and I just have to accept that and be like all right like my highest quality session is if I do this on my own today and then also the days when you're feeling good you hop in there and you're like this is awesome like you know you're in the mix and when you're fighting with like really fast teammates on those sessions that builds confidence and like I mean and then you race against them in the winter and you're like these it's just yeah that's super good so um I don't know I mean like the mentality is a little bit of trusting myself and like doing my own thing and also trying to balance being part of the team and like fighting and getting competitive during speeds and intervals and stuff. But, um, I think like I found a pretty good balance of that for sure, but it's always tough when you have super fast teammates. Yeah, for sure. But that is so important. Like not sorry. Like one thing is like JC said something that's super, super important for like younger racers or whatever. And I think this is a mistake that like a lot of programs make and a lot of athletes make it. It's what you just said with threshold. Like threshold sessions should be done at your own pace and following like your lactates and your heart rate, very, like your heart rate zones. And it, man, it is such a huge and simple mistake that can be corrugated if you just like correct it. If you <laughs> mm-hmm. just listen to your own body, like you just said, and have the confidence to do your own thing, especially on the threshold sessions. And then that L5 session for sure. Then, you know, pull yourself inside out, trying to hang with people or, mm-hmm. or the hammer on guys. But, but, uh, so for a 23 year old to recognize that that's really impressive. So keep going with that. I'd say. Yeah. Thanks. This is Nat Hers. We are taking a break for me to come to you again, live from this very pleasant home that I am staying in in Canmore right now, uh, only because we have had generous supporters of Faster Skier who have been willing to put up cold, hard cash in order for me to be on the ground here reporting and podcasting. If you enjoy this podcast, it turns out it does not just happen out of thin air. Faster Skier bought me plane tickets, is paying for a rental car, will be putting me up in Minnesota as well, and all that costs money. So if you are able to, please consider a voluntary contribution to Faster Skier. Fasterskier.com slash support has all the details. We're really grateful to the folks who have pitched in to get me this far. And we'd be really grateful if you considered adding yourself to the list. Thanks. I have two uh, Alaska-focused questions, and Mm. listeners will know I'm a proud resident, uh, oil check collecting uh, (laughs) resident of Alaska. Um, If only Alaska or Tahoe could exist, which one would you pick? 
Um, oh man, that's a tough question. Um, geez, I, but I'm not, that's where I'm living. It, yeah. It's just one of them exists. Yeah. I mean, exists. that's a tough one. I would have to, I would probably go with Tahoe. If I say Alaska, then, you know, I got a lot of people still back home living there and like my parents love Tahoe. So if it doesn't exist, how are they going to live in their favorite place in the world? Yeah. <laughs> so I'll do that for them. But as a skier right now, like training and all that, then I would have to go with Alaska. It's so it's a little bit of a toss up. I feel like that question, like that really put you on the spot. Yeah, it did. Uh, <laughs> you weren't ready for that. Well, yeah. so the, the other question actually was going to be like, I'm like a pretty, I think a lot of skiers are pretty big Alaska evangelists. Mm -hmm. And like, uh, what do you, what do you like to do um, outside of like mm -hmm. training at Kincaid and Hillside? I love playing hockey. So like my favorite thing about Alaska is like all the outdoor rinks we have and stuff. Um, and at UAA, when I was there, we would play at the, when our hockey team got cut. So we got to use their training facility and we would have like hockey practice once a week, basically Tron would set us up with that. Um, so like, that's my favorite thing to do. Like, it's honestly such a bummer that hockey season starts usually right before we go to Ruka. So I'm usually trying to like squeeze in as many like pond hockey, like pickup games as I can before we go to Ruka. And then when we get home, the ice is like always just starting to melt. So I always have to squeeze it in there too. But I really wish that we could like play a bit more. Um, but we're just like gone for so much of the year. But that's like my favorite thing ever. Do you, you bring skates to Europe? No, I, I was thinking about trying to get a pair like to keep in the truck and a stick and stuff. But in Davos, uh, they have a rink and you can rent stuff there. So that always works out. And I was bummed to uh, not go to Davos this year. It was part of the tour anyway, so it would have been kind of hard to play hockey mid-tour to ski. But uh, last year when we stayed there for Christmas, we played a few games with some of the Swiss guys. So I actually have a serious question about this. Um, I was I was thinking I was going to comment. Um, I, actually, I feel like the UAA team among all the college teams, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't follow college team super closely, but mm -hmm. I, I follow some of the like UAA guys like on social media mm -hmm. um like Ariane stat in particular i'll throw his name out there like yeah i just feel like you guys him in particular like he's posting stuff you guys are always having like a kick-ass time doing cool shit like in the outdoors in alaska whether it's like mm -hmm. you know wilderness hockey or backcountry skiing or whatever and and um and i, I ran into so they were all out at a lake which is this like epic huge glacial lake or not a lake sorry portage lake outside mm -hmm. of anchorage uh ice skating a couple weeks ago when we had this like really amazing skating window and they were like they were throwing footballs around it was crazy and then i went down, down there uh, a few days into that window and i saw tron flagstad the uaa coach and i kind of gave tron a hard time i was like dude all your athletes are out here on the ice like you know middle of winter they're gonna get injured um i saw like ari's video and he's like yeah ari like crashed and like messed up his wrist or something like in the middle of that and i'm like okay there's there's like it, when I went to college, there was always this really challenging thing of like we'd have training camp uh, over winter break at, mm -hmm. at, at Bowdoin College in Maine. And it's like, what the hell do we do? Like we played Halo like, you know, there wasn't a lot of schoolwork to do at that time. So there was like one day we decided to play basketball in the gym. But like none of us, you know, we we're all just coming down from skiing. So we played barefoot and one of my teammates like got this like totally debilitating blister on his oh. foot. And it like, it like he had to stop training for like a week. And it became this thing of like barefoot basketball. Like the co our coach, Nathan Alsbrook was like, you guys are idiots for doing this in the middle of the competition season. But I am curious, like, how, what do you, 
what is your sense of like, do you ever, I mean, do you think, do you think about that? Like going out on the ice in the middle of ski season and like, what's the right balance? I'm sure Devin has yeah. some thoughts about this too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a little bit, it solves itself a little bit that we're traveling the world cup the entire winter. Cause then it's just like, you can't really do a lot of that fun stuff when you're in Europe, like living in hotels and stuff kind of takes the opportunity away. I mean, still like if there, if we were in Davos every weekend and there was like an easy place to rent skates and a hockey stick, like I would be playing hockey once a week because I feel like it's uh, the benefit you get from just like the mental refresh of doing something you like and kind of breaking the routine is so worth like maybe you get a little bit tired or your legs get sore, you know, um, or, or you like crash and break or break. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, that part's tough. Like, I mean, a good story with that is, uh, last fall at our park city camp in October, we were playing some basketball, warming up for strength. That's kind of our park city ritual. We always do that, play tons of basketball there at the center of excellence. And I, uh, sprained my ankle and was out for like a couple weeks, like had crutches for a week. And yeah, I mean, it was a bummer. Like it sucked the whole season. My ankle was kind of bugging me. I still was able to race and do everything, but it was like not a hundred percent. Um, and like in that moment, you're like, fuck, this sucks. Like, why were we playing basketball? Like we should have been sticking to, you know, just a normal strength warm up. but it's a freak thing and it happened and like, yeah, shit happens. I think it's still, I would still go back and play basketball before, before strength and like do all that fun stuff because I mean, I, I just love doing that and it's part of life. I mean, Graham Ritchie was basically mortally wounded, like going on a walk yeah. from his hotel room. So yeah. like, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Not go to Austin in December. That's what you're going to do. Like get away yeah, from yeah. Scandinavia in December where it's just like sheer ice knot. That that was a freak accident. Yeah. But I, I think you, you, like JC, I think you come into something like pretty important too. Like, and I mean, people, the 20 people that listen to this, like they know like North Americans spend from November to March, like in Europe. And that's it. That's pretty insane, actually. Like now that I'm on the other side of that, I'm almost like, did I do that? Like I literally would pack my bags and let's go from like hotel to hotel to hotel for like five months. And, you know, I, I, I played hockey growing up. I'm from Sudbury, Ontario, which is like a hockey capital of every little town in in Canada's hockey capital but hockey was like a big part of my life growing up so I love playing that and then like living in Canmore and stuff got like way into climbing like got super into climbing and and like to do that kind of stuff and then every spring like backcountry skiing just alpine starts every day crushing myself uh in the spring and and but you're absolutely right like it's about finding that mental balance you have to find stuff that that uh you know we go alpine skiing when I was racing uh every once in a while and like yeah it was just so sweet to have that kind of recharge i remember like once it was like the best day of it was in davos we usually had christmas in davos and stuff and then i got i had like a tiny cold like just a tiny tiny cold starting and it was the most epic day of powder skiing and lenny and and our old coach like torna hetland who was it was not our coach at the time but like lenny and torna went like powder skiing and they were skiing 80 centimeter deep powder all day long was I was like made the decision to like not go out and ski because I was worried I was getting like a little bit of a sore throat and ended up working well for like my ski career or my my tour to ski was great and had like some podiums there or whatever uh 10 days later but like the whole season I I literally like that mental recharge like I was like I could not believe I missed the greatest day of alpine skiing 
as a cross-country skier in ever. And, and Lenny would just keep bringing it up. So it, it's amazing what those, what those days can do. So you got to keep going with that. But the injury side of thing, of course, like you're also a pro and you know that, you know that even though you're 23, I mean, like you got to kind of find a balance to that, but you can't also live in a, you can't live in bubble wrap either, especially when you're traveling so much. So yeah. I love those stories. That's awesome. You guys were up for straight playing basketball, playing a ton of hockey. Like, yeah, that's, you got to try and make this life sustainable and you're 23. And if you want to be keep racing when you're Jesse's age or whatever, not that Jesse's old as by any means, but, but if you want to have a long career, like you have to find ways to, to have a good time too. And yeah. yeah so, definitely. I, I, I will just say we are in Canada and I did bring my hockey skates. So, nice. Um, uh, nice. A question I, I wanted to ask, um, and then, you know, you probably get, it's probably getting toward nap time here, I imagine. <laughs> but um, I did want to ask, uh, sort of thinking about, like, your future in the sport. I mean, you're 23, and, like, I don't know, what are what are you, I'll just sort of open-ended, like, how are you thinking about your future in the sport, and, like, what are you sort of envisioning for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I envision myself skiing for a long time, like, I, there's not much else I would rather do. Like, I, I love this and it's, it's really fun. Like at times for sure, when you're midway through the season and you're over in Europe and you're just like, just want to get home, it's really tough. And sometimes it doesn't feel super sustainable, but I, I, I there's not much else I can see myself doing. Um, so like, I, I want to keep skiing for a while, especially, I mean, uh, 2034 Olympics, possibly in soldier hollow. I love soldier hollow. So, I mean, that's, that's a long ways away, but I mean, yeah, there's not much else I'd rather do. So I, I want to keep going and just try to keep getting better. Like, I think that's what I love about the sport is you can really just, um, like from my years back in UAA, I just have been trying to get better every single year. And like, you, there's so much you can learn every single year. Um, and I feel like there's so many different areas you can improve in. Um, so I, I think that's the most fun part and just like trying to keep getting better and better. Yeah. Nice. I had a question like, uh, you, you know, climbing onto the world cup podium this year, like <laughs> you'd been, you'd been in semifinals prior to this. So it's not like this came out of the blue, like not at all, but how, how was that experience? Like, how was that experience? Like your first world cup podium? Like, honestly, people ask me, like, do you remember your races and stuff like that? And I, I remember like very little, to be perfectly honest of like a lot of the races I did. Um, but you know, like my first time being on the world cup podium was like just the first world cups after the Olympics in 2006, you probably weren't even born, but I had like, it was like a surreal experience for me because I, I qualified fourth in a sprint and I was sure that there was a mistake. Like this was back in the days we had to be like top 16 to kind of move through. I'm like, there's a, this is a mistake. Like I obviously was not fourth in this qualifier. Like there's no way. And it's like, yeah, dude, you were fourth. And then each heat just kept going better and better. Ended up in the final with uh, three Swedes, two of which medaled individually while there was like the Olympic champ. And then Tobias Fredrickson who medaled uh, at the Olympics like 10 days before and me. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, I have no business being here. And then ended up ended up third in that one. But it was like, I definitely had like imposter syndrome the entire day. But I, I don't get the sense that that happened with you. But like, can you talk talk me through a little bit like how it went? I mean, you, you're qualifying, so you expect to, to get through. But like, I guess take me from like that semifinal. Like what happened what were you thinking in that semifinal and you know, you're coming to the final and what was your mindset or like, how did that final play out for you? 
You probably yeah. answered this so many times and I'm so sorry you have to do it again. But now you can do it with some swearing and do whatever you want. Yeah. But like, yeah. I am really curious because like your first World Cup podium is only going to be your first, you only get one shot at your first World Cup podium. And I'm telling you with age, if you're going to be in skiing for a long time, you're going to forget all about this shit. So mm-hmm. it's uh, fun to talk about it while it's fresh. Yeah, that's definitely one. I, for some reason that those races are imprinted in my brain. Like I, I'm the same way. I usually don't remember races super well. Like I have to watch them back to like even know what happened sometimes. But for some reason that whole day is just like locked in my locked in my brain. But I mean, yeah, that was a fun one. Like for sure the big goal was making the final. Like that was kind of the that felt like the next hurdle that I needed to get over. It was the same for me and Ben. Like we both had made a bunch of semifinals up to that point. And it just felt like the final was such a almost like a mental barrier that we needed to break. So the semi, when we, we both raced it together and like, we just raced from the front and raced aggressively. And like, we didn't do anything special. It was just like, we had a solid day and we raced like, I think we, I mean, we raced more aggressively than we normally did, I think, which was a big part of it. And, uh, so when we both made the final, wait, do you mean aggressively sort of tactically or actually like, you know, throwing elbows? I think like tactically, like we both, like Ben took it out hot from the start and I saw him up at the front of the race. And I was kind of behind Sean of I remember going into the very first hill and I saw Ben up there and I was like, all right, I got to get up there. So I just boosted up to him. And then we just like took it off from there, just like let out, um, from the front, which I think was, it was pretty cool to be like skiing up at the front of a world cup semifinal with him. Like we had Sean of a bunch of other fast guys behind us, but I mean, then, then you make the final and for sure there was like some imposter syndrome there. I was like, all right, I don't know what I'm doing here. Like, uh, my main goal, honestly, was like to try to not get six. I was like, all right, I'm going to just try to like be mentally strong. And like, I, I don't want to be happy to make it to the final. So I'm just going to try to like hang in there and like not just get blown apart, you know. But then uh, somehow we got out onto that first hill and I just felt great. And I was like, in I remember like one moment in my mind, I was just like skiing next to Claybo and it was feeling pretty good. And I was like, like, fuck it, let's just go. And I just kind of ripped up that hill and uh went for it from there i remember claybo passed me and i was like yeah that kind of checks out <laughs> and then bonus passed me i was like yeah he's pretty fast too so that's okay but now i should probably try to hang on and i kind of realized like going into the stadium like damn i'm in third and probably gonna hold on to it that was pretty pretty sweet and i mean the rest of the day was just a blur i don't think it settled in for like a couple days after the race really <laughs> well well like what 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 were, what were the parts of the blur i mean or I mean, not, I guess not a blur when I crossed the finish line, it was more just like numb. Like I didn't really feel, I was like, I was stoked, but it was like really hard to put a word or like any name on like how I was feeling. And like everyone else around me was super stoked. And I was just kind of like, what just happened? Like, I still didn't believe it for like the rest of that day. Um, and I mean, the next week was just like super fun because you're just sitting around and then you just remember like, oh yeah, I podium on the world cup last week. And like, that was a dream come true. Like, I remember that was like the coolest part was like for a few days after it was just like pop into your brain that you were just on the world cup podium. And then you're like, damn, that was pretty sweet. Did you watch the replay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would definitely watch the replay. Yeah. I would probably have it like on loop on a television in yeah. my bedroom, like yeah. probably for the rest of my life. But yeah. my problem is like when I watch replays of my races, I always go into it watching like, all right, this is going to be sweet. And then I just watch myself and I'm like, oh, I'm skiing like shit. Like I'm never happy with the way I ski when I watch a race. Um, including that? Yeah. Including that one. I was like, thought my technique was bad. And I was like, in the end, especially in that final, I kind of blew apart and like Claybo had a 
I don't know if you guys remember that specifically, but on the last hill, it's kind of the hill where Rosie got tripped up by that Swedish coach. Claybo's gear on that hill when he like sprinted away was insane. And I was like all over the place, like going like that. So I wasn't I super they, I watched it. But then you just got to look to Ben and be like, you know what? My technique's pretty decent. Oh, <laughs> like, it's pretty decent. I'm just kidding. I'm not throwing, you know, Ben and I have like a little thing to get like, uh, yeah. I'm just, I'm just yeah. kidding around. I'm not throwing shade. Ben's kicking major ass, but, um, no, that's, uh, that's a great story. That's awesome too, man. Like I think, um, yeah, it is, it is a, a good milestone for sure. And it's the first of many world cup podiums, hopefully. So that's, uh, that, Wait, that, I, have, I have a question about that actually. I mean, would you say that that, after that experience, like, do you feel like when you jump in a, you know, it's not like you've got 20 more sprint races, but does it feel different? Do you feel like you're bringing it, you know, coming to it in a little bit different mentality? Honestly, not really. Like when we went to Trondheim the week after, there was maybe a little bit of a different mentality. It was pretty hard to not like put more pressure on myself, even though I tried super hard to be like, okay, last week's over. This is a new race. I felt like a ton of nerves from like, like, all right, well, now I, anything I do that's not a podium is going to feel worse than last weekend. But, like, since Trondheim, I've had a few, like, tougher races now where it hasn't gone as well and, like, some sickness and stuff. And now I just feel back a little bit to where I was before, um, just kind of, like, trying to get back to that podium. So I don't feel super different. I mean, it's definitely nice to have in the back of your mind, but I still feel a little bit, like, I, I still got to get better and, like, figure out this these sprint heats and stuff more like I still have so much to, to learn. And like, um, ideally, yeah, keep skiing into those finals and stuff. But I mean, luckily we got a lot of sprints coming up the rest this year. So that's a good opportunity. <laughs> I was curious, we can edit this out and you feel free not to answer it, but you and I were kind of, well, you're way younger than me, but like a little bit of a similar situation in the sense that like, so my wife is Kristen Stormer She used to be a cross country skier in like the golden age of Norwegian women's skiing and you're dating Emma Ribom mm -hmm. and the Swedish women are at the top of their game. I mean, like they are, they're, they're what the Norwegian women were, uh, back in, in those days. And I was just curious, like with some of the things you were talking about now, like just like positioning yourself or like, kind of like you've broken through already. Hell, you have a world cup podium, but, and then you're kind of, you know, you get knocked around a little bit. That's how it is. I mean, it's not a straight line to the top. But um, obviously, I'm assuming you take like inspiration from from Emma and like the Swedish. I'm assuming you you get to know the Swedish women's team a little bit too. And I don't know. At least for me, like I picked up so many amazing, not just tips, but just like being around a team that's at I, I think the best in the world. I mean, like training alongside or around like Mara Björgen or like Therese Johag day in day out, and like Kristen too for for that mm -hmm. sake. I was just curious, do you, do, you, do you pick up anything? Do you pick up anything being around like such a dominant sprint team or is that something you kind of compartmentalize type thing? Um, yeah, I mean, pick up, I definitely pick up some things from Emma. Like she's super smart and um, like the tough part a little bit of like is I haven't, I don't get to be around the whole team a whole lot, especially just with like all the sickness going around World Cup and stuff. Like it's not really like I'm hanging out with all those Swedish girls all the time. But like pick it up from Emma and like she's usually roommates with Yona Sinling and close friends with her. Like definitely like those girls. I mean, just it's kind of nice to get a little bit of added confidence. Like obviously 
us American guys, every pre-race, we're talking about the race course and talking with Matt and the coaches about like what we think the course is going to ski like, but sometimes asking Emma for a little bit of advice, like what she thinks, then I'm like, all right, well her and like, and if I talk to, yeah, like she's one of the best in the world. So like what she says, I'm like, usually that's kind of a little bit of an added, feels like a little extra ammo, you know, um, getting to kind of lean on her a little bit for like some, some tips and like stuff like that. But, um, for sure. I mean, they're just all like pros. It's kind of crazy. Like it feels a little bit like they're pretty far from what us U S dudes are compared to them. Like they're just like such professionals. Like that's all of the Europeans really it's like their job and they're such professionals. And sometimes it feels like we're just here like goofing off and you know, where it's still feel like we're on like a world junior ski trip a little they're, bit. They're the LeBron games <laughs> and you guys are the U- university of Alaska. Anchors yeah. Yeah, games. exactly. That's what it feels like sometimes, you know, but I, I mean, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like we're just having fun. And I think that's what part of why we, we are doing so well is we just have a loose, like fun, good atmosphere. Um, but yeah, to answer that question, like definitely some good things I picked up from her. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's super fun having someone over here who's not a teammate or a coach, just someone who's like your friend and like, you know, always has your back, like regardless of how the ski results are going, like that's been super nice also. Do you think, uh, this is my last question. Do you think Sweden at a certain point is going to just like close the borders to American men? <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how many, I mean, how many more guys are just going over there and doing that. But yeah, I'm not sure. Definitely the visa situation. I guess Kevin's already been dealing with that. It's a little bit tough. <laughs> exactly. You got to be careful what you wish for, man. Look at me sitting here in Norway. I have to speak Norwegian every day. I mean, like, I want to be where you guys are. I want to be like living in camp or doing my thing. So be careful what you wish for. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I think it was, uh, no, man, it was really awesome to to chat with you, and I'm really looking forward to cheering you on. Uh, yeah, and good luck in Camor, and enjoy enjoy those Rocky Mountains. And that, you too, buddy, enjoy the Rocky Mountains, you bastard. Yeah, it's you know the altitude is surprisingly it's not it's not hitting me too hard. Uh, but the you know what I was gonna say it, it's like of course it's beautiful here. Uh, we you know we can edit this, but uh, but no, we can't. It is beautiful. Continue. It, well, it's beautiful, but like there's no snow. You know, I came like three days early oh. to go hang with one of my good friends in Fernie, and I like I carried a ski bag with touring gear and my huge ass touring bag. The barn. Got there, and it's like it sucks, and it sucks here. Um, I mean, I like I'm not complaining. Like it's still gorgeous to be here. The Nordic skiing is yeah, but there's great, not much but snow. It's, it's not maxed out. Uh, paradise. Yeah, but you know what is crazy in Canada? I don't know how it is. Well, you said Tahoe got a dump in your home, which is sweet. But I mean, like I have a bunch of friends in Squamish, Whistler, Vancouver and stuff. And like the Coast Mountains suck this year. It's crazy bad. Uh, you know where it's not bad right now? <laughs> yeah, up in Anchorage. Alaska, yeah. And then and then same like the pass, like Rogers Pass. I don't know if you've ever been to Revelstoke or whatever. It's three and a half hours. Never been, but I've heard about it. But you've seen mm-hmm. ski videos and stuff of it and everything. And like everywhere in Canada is just kind of ass this year for snow. So it's, uh, that's a bummer, but luckily you got the skinny boards on here this week and I'm sure the courses will be totally primo for racing. Enjoy man. And keep on rocking. We'll probably see you in Oslo. Yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks for having me. That was, that was pretty fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Devin Kershaw show. We'll be back soon.